0: Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. Hey, I'm so glad you tracked us down. I hope you're having a blessed day, wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, I was so thrilled and blessed to welcome Joe Gallagher to this episode of the podcast. He's been in Catholic media for a long time, but he's still a very young man. So it gives me a lot of hope and a lot of confidence that our church is heading in the right direction when I hear from uh, young men like Joe. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about what he's up to nowadays and uh, about his uh, apostolate, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. It's called Truth Army Productions. Real good stuff coming from Joe and his team. Well, we live in a world of a lot of angst and worry, and uh, we don't have to go very far to find that, do we? So let's turn to some words of wisdom from one of the great saints in our church, St. John Chrysostom. He says, Prayer is the place of refuge for every worry, a foundation for cheerfulness, a source of constant happiness, a protection against sadness. End quote from the great St. John Chrysostom. And I love how he reiterates the importance of prayer and having a relationship with Jesus. And it's not always us talking, right? We need to listen to Jesus and what he has to say. So I encourage you and challenge you this year, because we're still early in this year as we're recording this, to make some time to make a holy hour once a week or to spend 15 minutes in Scripture every day, maybe even a little bit more, but to meditate on the words of Scripture and to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening to ask Jesus to speak to us and have that silence so that we can have that conversation with him. Not that we're speaking all the time, but that we're listening. And I know for me, sometimes I just talk so much. I'm telling God all my my problems, my worries, but mostly my wishes and uh, how I'm planning out my life. And of course, if you know anything about the way God works, he's uh, got a sense of humor when you start to tell him your will. So Lord, let me be an instrument of your peace to others but also to allow you to give me peace and joy in my heart and as uh, St. John Chrysostom says that's the foundation of our happiness and protection against sadness isn't that beautiful is having that relationship with Jesus Christ so important and of course that we got the sacraments to do that and to live radically close to Jesus Christ and journeying with him in a very special way when we participate in the sacraments as often as possible, and we live life in a state of grace. Well, as promised, we have Joe Gallagher here on this episode of the podcast. So excited to share this conversation with you. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, Joe Gallagher is a name that you're familiar with after spending several years in the Catholic media space. He's a media consultant, he's a business owner, a commentator, and most importantly, he is our brother in Christ. So welcome Joe Gallagher to the Great White North and the Catholic Canuck podcast.
1: Oh, bless you, God. Thanks for having me on, David.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's just an honor to have you. It really is. I, I do like to ask our American guests first if they've ever been to Canada and if they like hockey. <laughs> so I know you're you're based in Michigan now, right? So uh, I'm guessing you got a little bit of familiarity with uh, with us up here in the Great White North, right?
1: Absolutely. Yep. I, uh, I've traveled to Windsor plenty of times. Uh, I'm a big Red Wings fan, of course. Ah, yeah, there you go. Yes. As as of this recording, they're playing the Kings tonight, 10.30. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, late start, right, out in Easter. Yeah, they're playing on yeah. the coast. That's uh, Yeah, you got to stay up a little later, have uh, an extra cup of coffee or something to keep you up that late. But yeah, those are late games. then the end, they're probably like 1.30 in the morning, right? Especially if it goes to overtime or something,
1: right? Oh, I'll be up. I'll make up for the sleep later. <laughs> oh,
0: well, well, there you go. And our Saskatchewan listeners will always have uh, an affinity for um, the Detroit Red Wings because of the great Gordie Howe, of course, uh, spending mm-hmm. uh, most of his career there. Uh, and then also of course, a, a brief stint with the Hartford Whalers, but, uh, we're name dropping uh, old uh, hockey teams here, but, <laughs> but, uh, hockey is a, a great game and a fun game. And, uh, I know, it's something that we share in common with a lot of folks that live in the States that are close to our borders. So that's, uh, that's really cool. Uh, you know, Joe, one thing I did, uh, didn't mention in that brief introduction to you, but uh, one thing is you're, you're a very young man. Um, not Now, not young enough that, that I'd be your dad. So I don't want people to think I'm super old or anything like that, but, <laughs> but you've already <laughs> sure. done, you've done a lot in the church already, right? You're in your mid twenties. Uh, I know you're looking to do more in the church, which is fantastic. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit about, your beginnings with uh taking your faith seriously and and when the seeds of faith were planted in your life maybe some people that were influential to you as a young man and how you got involved with with catholic media
1: sure man oh man this is actually quite timely so i'm sure that people will if if you do your title right david you you might get a quite a few listens um uh yeah cradle catholic you know there's no that's uh that's as as it is for many um I think that a lot of credo Catholics, I don't want to call it a rite of passage because the, um, uh, you can't, you can't necessarily equate sin with um, being a good enough in, in and of itself, but God being the, um, uh, the most amazing conductor of the orchestra that is the salvific plan. Um, he makes beautiful notes out of, the uh, out of the uh, out of key actions that we make, so I think that everybody has to some extent their own reversion, and uh, just like with anybody that's trying to continue to be a better Catholic, you have your little mini deaths every day, your little mini martyrdoms, and so every opportunity is a opportunity to grow, increase in sanctifying grace or decrease in sanctifying grace. We can. I saw a billboard the other day. Uh, Driving down the highway, and it just said, um, You have 35,000 decisions that you can make every single day. And then it was, and then it said, Is one of them wise? And it's pointing to Wise Automotives, some car company. But I thought, Wow, holy cow, 35,000 decisions every single day. Um, How many of those are ones that put me closer in communion with our Lord? And uh, yeah, that's a question I think a lot of people need to ask. But for me, Sorry, it's a little bit of a tangent. Grew up a uh, cradle Catholic. Um, I really got involved in Catholic media at the age of nine when I first got introduced to Michael Voris, uh, when Church Militant was just um, real Catholic TV, the one true faith, all of those great things. You know, Michael, uh, even though, of course, there's the scandals that have come out regarding him, um, and I've spoken on, on those in the past. i spoken on the uh, angry Catholic podcast uh, out in uh, Pennsylvania, Chris and Paul, they're great people. So there's things to be said about that there, but for, for this point, um, yeah, I, I owe Michael a lot. And even with all those scandals considered, um, I wouldn't have as much of a passion about theology or I wouldn't know as much about my faith. Uh, he taught me a lot. I wouldn't be where I am in Catholic media or in working in media in general, which, of course, as you mentioned, we'll dive into more without him and without some of those early founders. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's just a beautiful one, a beautiful example of how uh, of how God makes straight with crooked lines. You know, David.
0: I think that sometimes we get into these traps of forgetting that you know we're all fallen right? We all have that concupiscence. We have a tendency to, to stumble and to fall. And, uh, you know, some, some have more, uh, fantastic and catastrophic falls than other, but we've all been there in certain ways. Right. And, and, uh, sin is sin. And, uh, but one thing is that, you know, even in my life, there's been people that have, have influenced me in my life that I've really admired that right now they're not walking with the Lord. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're that their example at the time, uh, you know, it nullifies that, right? And it sounds like that's the same thing for you too, Joe, right? There's, uh, and we can well, maybe, and I always say that, you know, grace really connects Catholics in a very profound way. So maybe there was a reason that you had that interaction with Michael Voris and, and other folks at Church Militant. Maybe there's a, a reason I had my interactions with the people in my life, and maybe now that they've, they're have they struggling with their faith or maybe they've fallen away entirely, that's a cue for you to say, Hey, God's grace is alive in my life. Maybe I need to pray and offer reparation for these brothers and sisters of Christ of mine that, that have fallen away from the path. Does that make sense to you?
1: Absolutely. And of course, if anybody wants to know more about my take on that whole situation, I encourage them to listen to the uh, angry Catholic because there's still a justice there. There's absolutely still a justice and charity is not always mean being nice. <laughs> and, uh, so you know, with him in particular, but, um, I guess further to further answer your question, David, of course, with the, you know, everybody falls away to some extent. I think mine was a little bit bigger. I've talked about that in the past as well. Um, I had the opportunity to choose life, um, before, before I was married and, uh, I did blessed be God. We both did. Um, and you, know, when you have a beautiful little innocent person that comes out of, um, a, uh, comes out, out of a disordered action, I should say is the best way to say it. Um, you know, when you're, when you decide to, uh, to not live as God decided, you know, we're waiting until marriage and things like that. Uh, you, you have to face the music, but the little beautiful person that can come out of that, if you choose life, um, it should be a wake up call for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, when I had my beautiful little daughter in, uh, in college, it was a, um, I was on the phone with somebody today talking about this, actually, it was like a light switch went off in my head. And I thought, okay, uh, how can a lifeguard prevent people from drowning if he doesn't know how to swim himself? And mm-hmm. if you equate that to the spiritual life, how can any Father, mother, husband, wife, child, brother, friend. See to the other person's salvation if they are just a train wreck themselves. And mm-hmm. um, you know that was that was that was the turning point. I, I first spoke about that with Jim Havens on his uh, testimony Tuesdays. Uh, I think it's Station of the Cross Radio. Uh, Jim Havens. Um, we talked about that for quite some time. And um, you know, when you, when you consider that, David, there's uh, the fact that we're all here for one specific thing to know, love and serve God for all of eternity. Uh, All of our actions have to reflect that. And I think it's really amazing. You know, just, I'm sorry if this is super long winded, but just to commend you, we were talking before we started recording, you said, well, you know, I'm just, I don't do media per se, or, or I'm not, I'm not some, crazy you know i don't have a doctorate and doctorate in some aspect of theology but and you have a a private sector gig but in your free time you still do this to promulgate the faith and that's so admirable there are so many people especially in my generation that we have this superhero complex if we can't be the one to slay the big dragon in front of the tvs in front of the eyeballs. we don't, we don't want it. We don't want to do our own little part. We've abandoned the command of don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. We've completely ignored the little flowers, great acts of, uh, or small acts of great love. Uh, we've completely lost that.
0: You mentioned something interesting about, you know, just the, um, how we approach, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's issues in the church or, or other problems or, I, I was thinking too about, uh, about the age that we live in of almost like Catholic celebrity, if that makes sense, <laughs> where, where, you know, like it just, it seems like we're we've become so big in the age of, of the internet and social media. And, uh, you know, I, I really, I, I, I say to people too, I, I, I try not to get involved with these fights because I, I just, I don't see a lot of charity in them. I don't follow it a lot. You mentioned church militant. I know you spent a, a, a large amount of your time there, many years there. So more than half of my life, you, right? Yeah, right. Um, but from what I've seen, you know, in the last month since you know things have taken un- an unfortunate turn for church militant, the 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 apostolate itself. Uh, not a lot of charity out there, you know. Like not a lot of thought to the humanity of people. Maybe a little too much focus on one individual, if that makes sense, or two or three. Um, but not enough for maybe the, the whole, cause it's a, uh, it's a big organization, right? And there is a lot of people, uh, I would, I would assume are really trying to do the will of God and are trying to pursue a life of holiness and are kind of caught in the crossfire of all this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem very charitable. Some of the things that I've seen, and it's not just with church Milton, but, but others as well, other organizations as well. When people fall, it's like, uh you know, it's kind of like, uh, they become a laughingstock and to kind of like, you know, dancing on the, the, the grave sort of thing. It's, it's pretty ridiculous to me, especially as a, as a Catholic. I mean, aren't we supposed to be a little more charitable in how we act? Uh, but to your point, I know you mentioned justice and, and that's an important thing as well, but yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like just kind of the age of, of, uh, of social media and how stories can get out so fast now, right? Like there's a reaction to everything, isn't there?
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's such a, it's such a, uh, a recipe for um, imprudence, maybe is a good way to put it, uh, You know, especially if you consider social media. You know, uh, one of the things that myself and my team has been very involved in is making sure that different entities can grow their social accounts. And some people might think that, oh, it's just social media. You post something and then that's it. No, it's it it's an extraordinarily detailed science and you have to understand the variation between platforms, the demographics, you know? So, um, but I, what I, I say that all to simply say, um, if something comes out, you're not relevant unless you're making a comment on it in the next hour yeah. and that in and of itself, I don't think is, ne- is a bad thing, but how many times have you seen somebody get caught with a foot in their mouth, when they're proved wrong, because there wasn't enough information out yet. You know, uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think same thing with action. You know, the, this the and this ties in with that media celebrity deal. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, for somebody, it's something I've wrestled with actually, and um, I've wrestled with it. You know, when I was at CM, uh, I've wrestled with it. Uh, even now, when it comes to individuals who are wanting to uh, create entities, and again, this isn't a, this isn't a direct, directly me speaking at Voris and what he created. Could some of it fit? Sure, but it's not some type of intentional, direct allegory. I guess um, you you just create a situation of great danger where your faith. Becomes that of your podcaster of choice, and you know they are not the magisterium. Um, none of them, and some of them are great men. You know Taylor Marshall, John Henry, uh, Michael Voris, or um, anybody else. Anybody that's, and again, so many of the people that are out there preaching the faith, I believe are are uh, living the life that they're that they're selling, quote unquote. But I think it it can be very dangerous um, to, to almost profit off of that. Now that's probably weird coming for me because I work in media. I literally do media and I try and help people you know, promulgate the faith. And so there's this really big question you have to ask yourself and, um, a really fine line that one has to walk of, You know, what is actually putting out content for the sake of the salvation of souls and the promulgation of the kingdom and the greater glory of God versus how much of it is a business versus how much of it is an ego stroke. And I've worked with a lot of different Catholic entities and personalities. And like I said, I think there's many that do do it well and that, uh, you know, do live that faith as they should. And there's a lot of phonies, a lot. And, um, you just, uh, you kind of have to pick and choose, but I think the biggest caution is if somebody wants to listen to a podcaster or, um, you know, uh, uh, watch Catholic content, especially when it's not from a man of the cloth, totally do it. Not a bad thing. Absolutely not. I work in it. I'm on, a, I'm on a, I'm on the podcast of a Catholic layman right now. Um, my thing is be cautious that their opinions don't become your doctrine. That's the biggest thing. And uh, I think that it's something that a lot of people fall into because there is no unity. You, you eventually you get to the point of, and I saw this when I was at church militant. Oh my gosh. You go, Oh, well, you know, he's talking bad about John Doe. So I'm no longer team church militant or John Doe talking bad about church militant. So I'm no longer team John Doe. Well, guess what? Neither of them are actually team leaders here. they uh, Jesus Christ is the uh, holy Catholic Church is, And, um, You know, the, the alliances and the allegiances that can happen is, um, it's troublesome to say the least, but you know, Satan attacks every single thing that people try to put, uh, to put in service of God's greater glory. You mentioned you're a hockey
0: fan and, uh, this, this ties in a little bit to something I was thinking of here in the last couple of weeks for people that are outside of Canada. Um, it's hard to put into words how big of a deal hockey is in Canada. Like it's, it's, it's a big deal and, and it could certainly be an idol for people as well. Our, our sports stations on trade deadline day in the NHL will dedicate an entire day just to covering trades. They actually call it free agent frenzy and all yeah, they do cool. or, tra- or sorry, trade deadline frenzy, and then free agent frenzy in July 1st when players can go anywhere they want in the, in the league, right? Similar to other sports leagues, but they just dedicate that day just to that. And they have all this, you know, the pundits that are saying, okay, you know, breaking news, this guy's signing with this team and this guy's signing with that team. Right. And, and, uh, what you were saying earlier is that, you know, just, it's the speed you got to do it so quickly. Cause you don't want the guy from the other network or maybe even your colleague to break the news, you know, 30 seconds before or after you or before you, right. It's, it's, um, it becomes who breaks the story more than the story itself. Right. That's what it's starting to become. And over the last couple of weeks, that's something I've really noticed with this, you know, this past uh, letter here from the, from the Vatican about, um, you know, these, these blessings It's caused so much controversy and and so much division. You mentioned the word unity, Joe. Uh, There's a lot of broken unity and I see, you know, different Catholic media outlets and even personalities sparring with each other on this. And it's like, guys, we're on the same team. The other thing that I think is important for people that maybe are, are so engulfed, and maybe, and maybe they don't even, they're not even a part of a Catholic media organization or a personality themselves, but if you're a Catholic that's you know, kind of uh, you know, at ringside for all these festivities, when you work in a, a secular environment like I do, you're around a lot of secular people all the time. I think that the reality that a lot of Catholics don't realize but really need to as soon as possible is realize that the world really doesn't care. It's the church is becoming irrelevant because of our fighting. There's so much there's so much sparring going on. We're not actually really truly being uh, evangelizing with truth with Jesus Christ, right? And, and and evangelizing and sharing the gospel with others. So when they sit back and see us fighting all the time over Issues like this that we shouldn't even be. There should be no argument. We know what the Catholic Church's teachings are. It's too bad that this is the direction that's going because it's just such a distraction, right? But uh, yeah, does that does that kind of make sense to you, Joe? Like, what, where can we go to to be more united so that we can have a united front and we can reach out and preach the gospel to all nations, just like our Lord commissioned us to do?
1: Well, you know, I uh, I think I've got a. I don't know if I would call it a hot take on it, David. But
0: uh,
1: mm-hmm. um, frankly, me personally, um, and I don't know your stance on this one way or the other. But um, yeah, yeah. Fiducia Sumplets. I haven't I haven't read the whole deal. Um, I started reading it and just thought, you know what, mm, I'm good. Uh, either he's already articulating something that is in accordance with the church. Or he is doing something that he cannot do, and therefore it doesn't hold any water. And I, I think that that's something everybody can agree on. And then it's just a question of what is it in that document. And to to me, the answer is it doesn't matter. You have a well-formed conscience, royal you, of course. Um, and if you don't, go make go go form it. Go educate yourself on the faith, go understand the certain aspects of morality, especially the big main obvious ones like the gay unions and things. And of course it, it goes from very black and white to, well, it depends on what you mean really quickly. (laughs) And and I would never want to be a moral theologian (laughs) because, oh my gosh, I don't know how those people have any hair. Uh, and I say that because I would much rather, uh, Help people see the value of saying their rosary every day. Then educate them on which bishop raped a little boy or what the Pope did or did not do. And uh, when, that, when you just start focusing on the macro issues all the time, you slip and slip and slip in the micro issues. And what happens? People think they, they have way more authority than they do as a layman. Way more authority than they do as a layman, and then when everybody has that same thought, then it's a question of who has more authority um, among the laymen, and to opine on things like this. And don't get me wrong; I think that there's some of it that's good. You know, uh, uh, Doctor Peter Kwasniewski asks, I think, a really important question, which I think is the defining question of this era in the church, and it's that of obedience. Because obedience isn't just on the part of that who has to obey, but it's also a defining aspect of authority. How far can a person go? And those questions do need to be asked. Don't get me wrong. But I think that a lot more souls would be served better um, if we just kept on beating the drum on the things that were directly pertinent to salvation, prayer, sacraments, discipline, virtue. Um, understanding the beauties. I, this is kind of a tangent, so forgive me. Um, but one of my biggest desires is for people to be proud to be Catholic. You, I, I remember when I was a little boy, I heard I heard somebody telling me a story about you know how the the martyrs of the Colosseum would throw themselves at the Roman guards, saying "Take me with you." They were like begging to be martyred for the faith. I mean, I mean, I uh, in some senses I'm thinking to myself like, how is that not almost a type of suicide by proxy, you know? But in a all joking aside, those people you can't be more proud to be a Catholic than that. And how many of the people who commentate uh, or work in Catholic media, us included, um, especially when I have to look at myself, um, let alone the people who listen. To the content that's created, um, have that same type of joy and faith in um, in Christ Jesus, and that is just such a small number. So, boy, howdy! If I ever had the option of okay, do we want to do our three thousandth episode on the Rosary or? Do you think we can do an annual episode on what the Pope is doing and how it's kind of causing scandal? I'm going to be honest. I think I would choose the 3000th episode of the rosary. Mm-hmm. Whether Pope Francis is being a lunatic or, uh, um, or not, that doesn't matter. Unless it's something where it's an attempt to define dogma and make it binding on the faithful. Outside of something very grave and grandiose like that, just focus on oneself. And then all of these other issues start to go away.
0: And, and they will know you by your fruits, right? And, and mm-hmm. what uh, what virtue you produce in in your own individual life, right? In your family life, Catholics kind of we're kind of becoming a little too much like the world. I think if we want to take an honest look at ourselves, that's that's all of us. That's me. Uh, that's a lot of us. Like we're we're too pleased or too too preoccupied with with what the world is doing, you know, the celebrity culture, what's happening in the now. And I think it started really, you know, with, um, it was someone who is a, a, profound influence in my life, uh, in my life of faith and why I'm Catholic today. was, it was a huge influence in a, in a very positive way. And that's Pope John Paul II. Mm. You know, I, I don't even know what kind of frenzy it would be if he was the Pope today, given the globe trotting that he was doing as a Pope in the eighties before the advent of, you know, social media. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, how many Catholic families had the the coffee table book of Pope John Paul II in Canada or the United States or anywhere in the world, right? Everybody had them. It seemed right. It was, that was sort of the uh, that was what the age was like. It was, um, you know, the uh, Pope John Paul II was was a pretty big deal. Um, but does that maybe you know, we, and you look at you know what it's like today, and 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 Pope Francis, and even Pope Benedict a little bit too. Uh, you know, you think of a couple hundred years ago, most Catholics probably didn't even know really who the Pope was. They certainly probably didn't know what he looked like, unless they saw a picture of him at their parish or something. They might have known his name, but they didn't really know much about him.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: think it was safe to say that they would say that the Pope is there to just continue with the faith that's been given to us from Jesus Christ and the apostles, and and uh, and just basically uh, reaffirming us in our faith in the Catechism and in Scripture. And, uh, the person himself wasn't a big deal. The, the office was a big deal, Joe, right? And it, and it is for us. The office of the Pope is is something that's, uh, that's a huge part of our faith, a beautiful part of our faith. But we also have to remember that the, the person, the Pope or the Bishop, your local Bishop or the Cardinals, uh, these are fallen uh, people too. These are fallen men. They're trying their very best to respond to the grace that God's given them with a very large task. So you know, I, I don't know how we can prevent that, but does that, you know, I was just thinking of this, uh, you know, these crazy world tours that people are on, like certain singers, like, like Taylor Swift, for example. Right. Mm. And just this hysteria that kind of follows this, this tour and, and this one celebrity, but, um, maybe putting a little too much stock in the person, uh, you know, versus, uh, you know, what, what we've been uh, given with when we talk about our faith, the deposit of faith, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I was talking with, it's something I'm kind of noodling on, uh, the, uh, my gosh, I always confuse the two. This is going to drive me up a wall. Oh my gosh. Um, I wanted to say Alphonsus Ligori, but I believe it is, um, St. Louis, de, Louis Marie de Montfort. Um, and he gives a prophecy about, you know, some of the great saints of the future and I encourage anybody to give that prophecy a read. But um, he just talks about how the saints in towards the end times will be so fantastic that, you know, they will dwarf all other saints before them, like, you um, know, tower over them, like the cedars of Lebanon, I believe is what he says to, as he quotes scripture. And... um I was talking about that with somebody and we were thinking like, okay, what does that look like? Does that look like an individual who completely rejects all of, is so countercultural that they don't even embrace social media and the internet or doesn't watch TV? Or is it a somebody that exercises so much virtue and discipline? Both of them are an exercise of virtue, but is that exercise of virtue being separating oneself from it? kind of like a John the Baptist type deal or is it one where you master yourself and you walk so close with our lord that you're able to operate and use these moral neutrals for a very strong moral good and i i don't know the answer personally i think some in a sense it looks like it would probably be the latter where you use the the moral neutrals of today's day and age to uh, um make moral goods, but uh, I struggle with that because the celebrity issue is so so big, and unless those in, those individuals are only beating the drum on some of the most foundational aspects. Of the faith, I believe what uh, part of the the prophecy uh, from Saint Louis Marie de Montfort is uh, they will uh, carry carry the um, the rosary in one hand and the Bible in the other. I think that's what it says without me looking at it. But essentially, they're constantly praying and they're constantly um, atoning for their own sins or for the sins of others while at the same time bringing other people on. They carry the sword and the shield type deal, and um. I just don't see how that's doable when you worry so much about so many external factors. Even a just man sins seven times a day. Uh, to think that a uh, to think that it that the most important thing for a person to be spending his or her time on are the um, current events of the day versus how to strive for holiness is. it it, it's it's hard to understand for me David and uh sorry I'm usually a really like bubbly person but I feel like we've gotten really (laughs) somber and sobering in that in this discussion but it's true and I think it's something that everybody needs to hear and think about yeah every single to tie it in with American politics Joe Biden he's our president Mm -hmm. and uh you know there's some people that ask the questions about the election are you on YouTube no you're not on YouTube good Okay, all right, sounds good. So Joe Biden stole the election. <laughs> Let's just come out and say it. Um, I wanted to make sure we didn't get you canceled there. Uh,
0: that's right, then all of a sudden, Dave from Canada's done.
1: Yeah. No, no. So Joe steals the election, or people steal the election for Joe, for him to be a puppet. You know, It depends right. on how deep you want to go in the rabbit hole. Is it good to know? Yes. But why is it good yeah. to know? Because they were only able to do that because they embraced the principle of subsidiarity years earlier. Every single step towards stealing the presidency of the free world happened in a local neighborhood in the United States, mm-hmm. and then it gradually moved up. It's the the it's the uh, the frog. Whether you throw them in boiling water or you just slowly heat up the pot, and yeah. the same thing happens in the moral life. Anything natural reflects in the supernatural. So if people are constantly looking at Oh, the president, oh, the president. Well, all of the local ordinances are going to change. And before they know it, there's nothing they can do. Well, the same thing. Oh, the Pope, oh, the Pope, oh, the third, fourth secret of Fatima. Oh, the end times prophecies. And meanwhile, they're so focused about that, they they forgot their rosary. They're so caught up in it, they're not fasting on Fridays. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm going on. That's
0: exactly. No, you got it. That's no, you're hitting the nail around the head, Joe. You got it. Yep.
1: Um, yeah, but anywho, forgive me, forgive me, David. I got, I got so spiced up there. My hair turned red.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? I mean, the thing about the last election, I think it's important still, we talk about it. We still have joy in our hearts to talk about something that because we're, we're looking for the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ personified. So whenever people have an issue with people asking questions, legitimate questions about something like an election, and then there's people that aren't even Catholic that have produced a lot of information and a lot of facts that seem to be uh, dismissed, not disproved, but dismissed. And there's, of course, a difference between the two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes you scratch your head. And someone that's not from the United States like myself, and we, ha- we have our own issues up here in Canada with, with our prime minister, uh, another fallen away Catholic, but uh, just from an outsider looking in, it does make you ask the question, like, you know, w- w- what exactly is going on? And I think we saw that here in the last couple of years, even with this, uh, this crazy virus. I, I hate even calling it COVID because it just seems like, you know, it just uh, brings back all these uh, negative memories and, and feelings. But uh, it does tie into the project that you're working on now as well. But when people are asking questions and now we're seeing the results of some of the, the, the things that we saw over those, you know, that two-year period there when it came to, to uh, mandates and lockdowns, and uh, as Catholics, it's important that we ask questions that we are seeking for the truth. Right. And yeah. to be dismissive about certain things and, and certain things that we're seeing now, the results of, of what's happened, whether that's people uh, losing their jobs or facing real financial hardships to even having severe medical issues. Um, boy, uh, it's, it's hard for as a Catholic myself and probably for you too, to to see our brothers and sisters in the church kind of turn a blind eye towards this and, and want to move on. So um, maybe that's a little bit of a segue into what you're working on right now. Maybe you can, maybe you can choose whatever direction you want to go, Joe, if you want to comment on, on the whole COVID-19 thing with uh, when it comes to our spiritual lives and, and how the Catholic Church um, acted during that time. Or if, if you want to jump into the project that you're working on, I guess they're related,
1: right? So yes absolutely um if i could just make one clarifying point when i'm highlighting and really beating the drum on this uh, that there's too much focus on the the macro issues it's just that it's just that it's Mm -hmm. too much am i saying that we should go live under a rock obviously not we have to be aware of these situations because they will have a trickle down effect just like there's a a down up there's top down Um, Mm -hmm. it's just that there's a two-way street and i think that there has to be a balance in how you deal with keeping informed. Um, yeah, the, I in Chicago, I believe in Illinois, the state of Illinois, um, with, which has, of course, Chicago in it as being its biggest metropolitan. And uh, that is the Archdiocese of Cardinal Blaise Cupich, um, who is the, if not one of the most powerful um, leaders in the American Catholic in the catholic church in america um there came out a letter that was leaked um where Supich pretty much just said we are going to let the governor of illinois make the calls jd pritzker on how when we're going to reopen we're working with the state health department we're doing all of these things and we're they're going to let them we're going to let them take the lead well, J.D. Pritzker believes in tearing children limb from limb in the womb, so I don't think he's going to be very sympathetic to somebody's religious freedom. Uh, and when you have so many prelates and priests as well that decided to deprive the most important thing for any person uh, from the from the masses, it's uh, you know it, it's heartbreaking to think that there were priests that would go out and choose to still go celebrate masses during. Um, the plague, the Spanish flu. yes, uh, And there's something where immediately when it came out, there was already opposition to it uh, and uh, as to how deadly it actually is. And people still chose to obey. Well, you have to ask the question, why? You have to be critical yep. about it. And yep. more often than not, you follow the dollars. You either follow the dollars mm-hmm. or you follow the way that people don't get, uh, can get out of work with my time at Church Milton, I heard horror oh. story after horror story about how bishops just don't want to engage with the faithful in their diocese, mm-hmm. which is horrifying. It's like being a teacher and hating children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why yeah. did you accept to be a bishop if you don't want to right. get to know your, your flock? And uh, so either they're lazy um, or they want money or there's a mixture of both, but it just showed a complete lack of understanding or maybe fear, a lack of courage Um, in the wake of what is allegedly one of the most deadly viruses in human history or whatever, the 20th century, it's a total joke, it's a joke. And so when I was traveling down to tie in with what I'm working on, um, I was traveling for one of my clients that I was working with at the beginning of 2023. And I met these two doctors and I decided to ask them some questions and what they were doing about COVID and how they're handling it, their take on the vaccine, quote, unquote, blah, 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 blah. And they just had a really interesting take. It wasn't straight ivermectin, ivermectin or, uh, um, oh my gosh, excuse me, remdesivir and ventilators, like follow the protocol. They just said, well, um, we base it off of the patient. One person might have kidney issues, another one might have pulmonary issues, another person might be a stroke victim. And all of those aspects, they're overweight, underweight, that plays into how we care. And um, I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was very courageous. So long story short, we decided to launch more of an investigation into other aspects of what the COVID mandates did to um To technically Americans, but it's applicable to Canadians, people in Mexico, Europeans, Asia, Africa. It happened everywhere. And so now our production company, Truth Army, Truth Army Productions, you can follow us on X. It's just at Truth Army Productions. Or no, I'm sorry, Truth Army Films. Excuse me. Follow us on X on Truth Army Films. Uh, We are releasing an interview series called Fog, where... Um, We discuss with different professionals what the COVID mandates did in that specific arena. We have a gentleman named Mark Ibrahim, who is a former DEA agent, Special Forces, DEA being Drug Enforcement Agency, um, and what the COVID mandates did to the justice system, how it just became a total joke and catch and release almost. We have nurses. um, We have Father James Altman talking about his story when he was in uh, Wisconsin, La Crosse. Uh, And um, we even have some non-Catholics, Pastor Rob McCoy with TPUSA um, as a, you know, just a a Protestant Christian pastor, what he looked at. And attorneys, it's just, and survivors, people that were forced into uh, um, solitude because of, oh, COVID, you're going to catch it, all that crap. And they can't, they almost died. So Dan and Ann Manicero, they are the second interview that's coming out. So about the end of this month, um, Dan and Ann are farmers out in Southern California, west side of the United States. Uh, And Dan, strong guy, he's a farmer. He works with his hands all the time. He and his wife both contracted COVID to varying extents. And uh, there's a whole story as to the buildup. But long story short, Ann isn't allowed to see Dan Who's in the hospital. Luckily, he has his phone and he's texting and saying, I I think they're trying to kill me. And the only way Dan was able to get out of that hospital was because his private f- care physician, a uh, family doctor, used to work at that hospital, but then started his own family practice, his own private practice. The So that doctor came into the hospital, unhooked Dan from all of the all of the, um, you know, IV oxygen things and put him in a wheelchair and started carting him out. And a nurse put her foot uh, of the hospital, put her foot on Dan's wheelchair and said, where do you think you're going? To which Dan's doctor said, if I keep him here, you're going to kill my patient. And the nurse said, you, uh, you're not going anywhere. And she shut down the elevator, locked the elevators. And he could, they could not leave. The only way they were able to get out was because that doctor, having had worked at that hospital, knew one of the um, uh, maintenance guys, and he let them out of the service elevator. And Dan got immediately, I think it was after the next like two weeks, he, he saw great improvement. I mean, when people think about the COVID situation, it isn't just the vaccine, quote unquote, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. There's so many other layers to that, what it's done to our yes. food justice system. And the fact that this is the second time in human history that when a disease has broken out, that there was one uniform protocol for every single person who contracted it, totally disregarding any other aspects of an individual's health. The other time was with AZT and AIDS in the uh, 20th century of the late 1980s. And who is the doctor behind that? Anthony Fauci hmm. so there's just a lot of layers that we peel back with a whole bunch of different guests I'm really excited for the series
0: sounds like escape from Alcatraz there with that doctor I, I mean, yeah and but you know that's one of, of very few uh you know a, a fraction of a percentage of uh, doctors that were able to to do that it seemed like the the entire medical uh, industry kind of all went one way, right? And, and the, uh, the voices of dissension, even though there was uh, some very, well, you know, based on credentials, very learned, very smart people that uh, had some interesting points and interesting data to back up why they weren't following uh, certain mandates or lockdowns or, or alternative care for patients. Uh, a lot of that was just simply ignored. Uh, and of course the media... Uh, if anybody's still still wondering if the media is our friends, uh, boy, just look at the last couple of years of what's happened there. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a it's a one way street, isn't it? There's not a whole lot of, um, everything's just so biased right now, right? It's it's hard to even listen to. I haven't honestly, I haven't watched or listened to what we would call mainstream or I call legacy media in Canada for probably about twelve years now, and uh, I'm glad I don't because when I do chat with people that do, it's hard to have a conversation with them. <laughs> there's really no other you know what I mean there's no other real opposing views that are ever presented to them or or at least challenging views challenging the narrative and we're seeing that more and more with you know even with younger people right thinking for yourself uh analyzing data getting to the truth as opposed to uh following you know following the the the, the wisdom of the day the wisdom of the world right and uh boy that's so important for Catholics to uh, to not fall into that snare isn't it
1: Mm-hmm. It really is important. And I think it ties in with that well-formed conscience. You People have to educate themselves and you have to be willing to accept when we're wrong. Holy cow. I mean, if you can't accept it to uh, accept when you're wrong, then how are you ever going to increase the, your percentage of those good choices out of those 35,000 we make every day? How can you ever make it 35, uh, 100% every single one? is uh is holy because i imagine that anybody listening myself included of course is not there so if we can't recognize that we're wrong by choosing to learn and educate ourselves more well i don't know what to tell you
0: (laughs) and the sad thing is we've had so many great examples uh, of saints that have been in real pandemics or real plagues and how they've uh, approach people you know physically with our with our bodies here on earth and, and taking care of them as best we can but most importantly uh, keeping an eye on eternity and I think of Saint Charles Borromeo who we've profiled on this podcast in the past and he dealt with the real plague right Joe he dealt with the real plague in Milan I mean what a what a an incredible individual he was really didn't live a, a, a long life but boy he sure did a lot in the, the time he was on earth. And one of them was, you know, really when all the the politicians of Milan took off during the, the plague, there he was the only guy that stuck around, and uh, him and, and priests and other uh, religious uh, sisters uh, took care of the sick, but never deprived anyone of their sacraments. Um, you know, and I even say, I know that uh, yes, it's permitted receiving communion on your hand, but everybody received on their tongue then. And I don't, there's no documentation saying that anything was spread through that reception of, of the Eucharist. They still had catechism classes on street corners. Um, there was a time where they had holy water fonts that they just separate. So if you're feeling sick, you go to this holy water font. If you're feeling good, go to this holy water font. You know, just practical things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if they want to do that, but we're still not taking away a sacramental from you, right? The sacraments Oops. or sacramentals. So everybody was prepared to die. And I think that, Uh, You know, if if you're in a a real plague like that for a couple of years and where I think 15% of the population of Milan passed away, uh, sad that that happened, but also, you know, people were prepared to to go to heaven and I'll bet you we'll see, Lord willing, we get to heaven. We're going to see a lot of people from Milan and they're going to tell us a lot of amazing stories about what St. Charles Borromeo and the priests of that city did for them to get them to heaven. And at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter, right, Joe?
1: (laughs) You can say that again. You can say that again. You know, that's just a, an additional point to what you were mentioning with the uh, Holy Communion. I uh, I remember they um, there was a, a, I don't know if it was a study or just an assessment by several Catholic doctors who simply said it's actually a little bit safer for people to receive our Lord on the tongue than for it to go into the hand, and <laughs> but still, that doesn't that doesn't matter. Because, you know, the reception of Holy Communion on the tongue is one of the most hated actions by those who are Catholic in name only. And it's such a such a crime. It's such a tragedy because, I mean, what I, what, what is that? That's choosing that's when a priest tells a person to stand up and says, get off your knees, which has happened to me plenty of times. Uh, I mean, I, right, eh? wow. and uh, I saw it happen at my alma mater, Franciscan University of Steubenville, actually. Um, he made a, a gentleman get up from his knees before the COVID nonsense happened. He just doesn't like it. And what are you doing there? You're telling somebody, stop your worship. Hmm. That's pretty grave. I don't think people recognize that. I mean, it sure, is it embarrassing? Yes. Of course it's embarrassing. It makes you feel weird. Your heart races. Your hands get sweaty. Your face is red. But yep. The man that just did that told you to not worship your creator in your best way. The best way you know how. That's that's heavy, man. That's so heavy. And I just I I don't it if if they I hope that they don't realize that because if they do, that's um that's a scary thought. It makes you want to pray for their souls all the more.
0: Well, I mean, wasn't it uh, Saint Jerome that said, "Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ"? A lot, clearly, yeah. ignorance of Scripture, right? It does say that every knee shall bend at the name of Jesus Christ on earth and under the earth. So it's it's scriptural. There's there should be no nobody questioning uh, a simple act like that, a simple, humble and holy act like that. Um, you know, no one's no one's saying that they're they're more holier than the other guy that's coming to receive communion or anything. But our disposition means something, doesn't it? And if you mm-hmm. look at the statistics, Joe, which I know you you know, I mean, they're they're very damaging and very uh, scandalous to me when I hear that only that only I think it's what is it thirty percent of Catholics that even show up for Mass on Sunday believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. So you know, should we be surprised by how our church, uh, you know, treated? Uh, these last, you know, three or four years of, you know, with, with the with this uh, COVID nineteen and 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 uh, you know how we treated the reception of the sacraments and saying mass, uh, you know, if, if that's the way the laity is right now, no doubt that there's there's uh, there's clergy that have the same feelings and unfortunately do not believe in the real presence of the Eucharist the way that they should. Is that fair to say?
1: I would say so. JP two Pope. St. John Paul II said, as the church goes, so does the culture. And Andrew Breitbart, Breitbart said, as the culture goes, so does politics. The hierarchy, of course, the moral hierarchy. Um, you know, if, the, if things are eroding by the men in charge, it's going to start with the church. And then it will see two inhabits, and then it will see its way into laws. And uh, that's it. The, and it's always with detail. It's always with detail.
0: And the, the evidence points to our culture in a, in a severe decay. And we've been given so much in Canada and the United States, especially and you know, Europe as well, the West of uh, the gift of Christendom and, and Jesus Christ and Catholicism. And it's not just uh, it's not just Jesus and the saints, because all that is so much. But also just think of the architecture and the, the hospitals, university education for people, taking care of people and. Um, what a great legacy, something that, like you said, we can be very proud of, but to see it slipping away like this is, uh, it's not easy, but I guess, you know, for us as Catholics, I mean, we are people of hope. So, um, central to this podcast, we've already talked about, Hey, we're in this world and we got to live in the world, but we don't want to be out of the world. Right, Joe. So, um, tell me what it's like for you personally. What does it mean for you to go to confession on a regular basis, to live life in a, a state of sacramental or uh, of sanctifying grace? sacramental grace as well, and receiving the Eucharist worthily often. What, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, that's, I mean, at least logically, that's everything, quite literally. Um, there's, I, I believe, I mean, there's three questions, of course, in the, the three main questions in the Baltimore Catechism, but you know, why are we here to, what is our purpose in life, to know, mm-hmm. love, and serve God? Um, yes. So everything flows from that. And if that's not there, I don't it, nothing else will be done as well as it could. If a man who is in a state of grace, frequenting the sacraments, constantly uh, uh, trying to maintain prayer, of course, proper to his vocation, and whether it be a single young man or he's a husband of uh, you know but he's an empty nester, you know, a husband and father is an empty nester versus a thirty year old who's in the heat of it all with Four kids already, one and one on the way, and three more to come. That's all going to play in. But everybody want everybody should be trying to do what their vocation is well. And you can only do it perfectly if you're striving to be perfect. So, mm-hmm. if to be a better athlete, a better student, a better husband, a better father, a better businessman, um, the primary a uh, way to do that in my opinion is to keep the house in order spiritually yes absolutely um that's to to put it to put it simply i suppose i hope that's okay
0: that is uh, simple is good i think that's, i think simple is what we need it's like it's like the baseball term right of uh of uh playing the game it's a simple game just hit the ball catch the ball throw the ball right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get exactly. the basics right then the rest will come and, and you can play the game real well and i think it's uh it's just like that with our spiritual lives. I'm, I'm glad you said that. First and foremost, for us to live in a, a life a life of, of grace, uh, frequently participating in the sacraments, but also uh, inviting others, uh, particularly our spouses, to first and foremost, and our children, and then into our parish community. You know, can you imagine if we just got... Even two or three other members of our parish that we go to, maybe they aren't going to confession. Maybe they go once a year and they're 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 trying their best. They're on a you know a life of holiness, they're trying their best, but then hey, I only go once a year. Hey, maybe try to go once a month, you know, just and maybe you don't have mortal sins. I mean, that's great if you don't. <laughs> that's amazing. God bless mm-hmm. you if you don't. But every time we go to confession, right, Joe, we still we get more grace, more grace to help us in our lives to to stay away from the near occasions of sin and to just clean our house up uh, even a little bit more for the Lord. So, uh, no, I think that's uh, that's so beautiful and, and a good, simple message for us to, uh, to keep inviting people to live that sacramental life. Uh, Joe, I, I, uh, this time has gone so fast. Uh, I hope that you'll come on again because I feel like we're only scratching the surface of what we can talk about. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, I really want to thank you for your time and uh, maybe one more time just uh, letting people know how they can get a hold of you and how they can follow your work and uh, the production company that you mentioned as well, and maybe even how they can donate if they w- would like to help out with uh, some of the costs. I'm sure not, uh, not cheap nowadays.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. You know where are. We are truth. Army productions is a for-profit entity. Um, and uh, so, so a lot of the content that we're making is not going to be explicitly Catholic. Um, so w- with that, I guess the best way is to just watch, watch the content, follow us on socials. We're truth army films on X, formerly known as Twitter. If anybody ever wanted to get a hold of me, just, just a chat, ask a question. You can send me an email to Joe at a M G moon.com. That's a M G uh, moon.com. And that is our, uh, that is our consulting, uh, company AMG moon, where we just help different nonprofits and commentators make the best product that they can. So other than that, all I ask is for folks to keep me in their prayers more than anything else.
0: For sure. Well, that's great, Joe. Thank you very much. Uh, Like I said, hopefully we can can stay in touch. And if you ever come up to Alberta, maybe try to come when hockey season's on, we'll watch the Red Wings and Oilers play or something.
1: Oh, that sounds
0: good. (laughs) Watch the Connor McDavid show. It's always fun. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Regardless of who you cheer for. Yeah, that's great, Joe. Thanks so much. God bless you, my friend.
1: God bless you, David. Thanks.
0: What a refreshing voice Joe Gallagher provides for our church and in our world today. And again, go check out the website of the project that he is working on, trutharmyfilms.com, and you can follow them on X and uh, definitely support their work. Lots of good stuff there. Lots of different uh, truths being exposed, and that's what we need. Of course, we know Jesus Christ is the truth, and anybody that's seeking the truth, regardless of whether they're a Catholic or not, We know that they're seeking Jesus Christ. And I think that's really important in this day and age for sure. You know, I was thinking about devotion to our guardian angels and an important prayer. I think we should be praying. This is something that we've taught our kids. I remember my mom and dad teaching me this prayer as well. Remembering our guardian angel is given to us as a gift by God. We all have one and they watch and they see us, everything that we do. So that should also give us a little bit of pause as well. Whenever we're doing something throughout the day, whether we're giving praise to God, whether we're in a time of temptation or a near occasion of sin, that's when we can invoke our guardian angel. I think there was um, something, I think this might have been what Jesse Romero actually said. He said that through his work with, uh, with spiritual warfare and with exorcisms and things like that with priests that perform exorcisms, he says that angels go where they are invited, demons go where they are not resisted. So think about that for a second. Let's invoke our guardian angel to be with us in a special way. So this is a prayer that uh, you can pray anytime throughout the day. Do it in the morning. Do it right before you go to bed and throughout the day. These little arrow prayers that I think are very efficacious for our soul. It goes, Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love and trust me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joe Gallagher. And listen to us wherever you find your fine podcasts, whether that's Apple or Spotify. Follow us on X and on Facebook. And send me an email or drop me a line through Messenger anytime. Love hearing from you. Thank you for your support and your prayers. And I always love to hear from you. And do you get to chat with people, Catholics, non-Catholics, from all over the world. It's fantastic. This podcast has been So much fun for me and a great gift from God. So praise be Jesus Christ now and forever indeed. And hey Catholics, we know what we've got to do to live a sacramental life, a life that's close to Jesus Christ at all times. We have got to live in a state of grace, free from mortal sin. So we got to go to confession often, at least three times every year, right? Every Lent, every Advent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. I'll chat with you very soon.